Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington and Harriet Saunders with you for the latest edition of Unstoppable, the podcast. Now this podcast is all about addressing what's holding you back both in your life and in your career and unlocking your potential. So Harriet, welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Um, I think we both agree uh, that the quality of life depends on how well you can approach and handle difficult conversations, right? Correct. And a thing that a lot of people find incredibly hard is approaching a difficult conversation. Um, And yet so much of our success or failure in life depends on our ability to do so. Absolutely. So how does somebody get confident in conflict? Confidence in conflict. Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that conflict or certainly challenging or difficult conversations are not something that can be avoided. Um, And it's really about understanding that if you've ever struggled with a difficult conversation or let fear and anxiety preventing you from saying what needed to be said, or you ever felt like you just simply didn't know what to say and have found that as a consequence of that, you've been unable to resolve something really important, then developing confidence in conflict is kind of critical. Um, One of the main sources of sort of, I suppose, information on this topic is a guy called Kwame Christian. Um, He wrote a book called Why Won't Anyone Play With Me or Why Won't They Let Me Play or something like that. But he rebranded it to be Confidence in Conflict. And um, there's a really great quote from that book that says the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. So I think the first thing to do is kind of identify what is your natural approach to conflict. And how do you go about working that out? <laughs> well, we, normally I would say disc profile yourself if right. you don't, if you haven't already. Yep. Um, and we often do this with um, we often we often do this in our training programs. We'll come out and see people, and we'll disc profile them, and we'll say, okay, so you know you're probably going to be one of four core profiles. You're going to be like a dominant personality type. You might be an influential personality type, a conscientious or a steady. And each of those has a really different approach to dealing with conflict. So a dominant personality type will, for example, approach conflict saying, I must win. I must win this argument. They'll get quite blunt and they'll get quite abrupt and they'll feel the need to certainly win. They Does it won- sound like anybody you know? No, I wouldn't <laughs> point fingers. Leanne. Um, (laughs) And um, in in a conflict, they'll certainly not want to appear weak. And the opposite profile to that is um, steady. Now, a steady personality profile, by complete contrast, will in, you know, the goal for them in conflict is to get agreement and peace and acceptance. And therefore, they'll kind of just let the other person win. So you can imagine that if you have a dominant and a steady and a steady personality type's biggest fear is actually letting people down or facing confrontation. And then you've got a D profile that leans right into it. So ultimately a D in conflict with a C, the D is going to win, but the C is not really going to agree. The conflict won't be resolved. Yeah, They just kind of go, yeah, okay. But it's not resolved. So what will happen is it'll simmer and it'll bubble. Um, And then, you know, if we talk about the other two opposing disc profiles, you've got an influential or an influencer personality type whose goal in any conflict is to make sure they feel understood. They need you. Please understand me. Please hear me. Please. Um, And they'll get quite impulsive and outspoken. And so is it as simple as saying to that person, I hear you, I understand. It's literally that simple. Yeah, right. I understand. I hear you. I don't agree, but I hear you. Yep. Whereas the, the opposite profile to that would be a conscientious and their biggest fear 
in in a in a conflict scenario is actually strong displays of emotion and the trouble is the less they say the words i hear you to an influenced personality type the more emotional the influencer personality types <laughs> get therefore shutting the conscientious personality type down further and further and so you can see how i think the first step in in learning how to build confidence in conflict is saying okay First, let me know myself. How do I deal with conflict? Okay, so as an example, I'm an influencer personality type. So I know that in conflict, I will feel the need to be heard and understood above all else. And I will get more open and I will get more vulnerable the longer it goes on. Therefore, I know I know myself and I know what my strengths are in conflict and I know what my blind spots are in conflict. But it's really important for team members that are working with you to know that the more passionate... And the more potentially verbose and the more your arms move around. And, the, and the, kind of the more like, but I'm, I'm completely <laughs> incensed and this is a bigger issue and everybody's got to just go, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, I hear you. I understand. So the first thing to do is say, how am I? at conflict and how are others and what can I look for as clues in a conflict scenario for example that somebody is clearly going to be a C or an S personality type and I understand that I'm now you know bullying them into submission (laughs) if you're a D profile so I think there's some work when you're starting to get comfortable in conflict or uncomfortable as the case may be is first of all to look at yourself so what am I how am I in conflict and what are the other personality types like in conflict? Because if you have an awareness of that, that does so much already to bridge the gap. And there are certain personality types, as I said, so, you know, if you look at a D and an S in conflict, they're a nightmare. They're literally a nightmare. They will pull further and further apart the longer the conflict goes on. And the same with an I and a C. And so when you imagine that that's 25% of the population is the opposite personality type to you. That's 25% of the population that if you have any misunderstanding or disagreement with, you are highly unlikely to resolve it naturally by default without first an understanding of, okay, I'm a D profile, they're an S, they're feeling bullied and I'm feeling frustrated. Okay, let's first of all just approach this from a, that place, that place of... And it can be really hard to actually breathe and think about because quite often there's just an automatic reaction, isn't there? Correct. So the automatic reaction that we have to conflict or to challenge um, and stress, by the way. So stress, conflict and challenge all fall into this bucket of, you know, where I guess the weak spot of your personality type, the volume gets turned up to 10. Yep. And so, you know, the more stressed you are, Leanne, as a D profile, yep. the more blunt and, and direct. Impatient, impatient and direct you get. Yep. And as an influencer, the more under pressure I am, the more disorganized and less attention to detail you get. And it's just, just like, first of all, an awareness. But the, the response to that comes from a place in your brain called the amygdala. And it's the oldest part of your brain. So it's like the reptilian part of your brain. Now, this is a part of your brain that you've had, you know, since the time where it was genuinely survival. So this is, you know, the the ape man part of your brain nice. or ape woman. Um, and so the, the amygdala creates a response. When it feels conflict, it says, okay, this is a survival situation when actually you might just be having an argument with your spouse or your boss or your friend, or you might be sitting down at the table to talk out something in a work scenario that's actually really nerve wracking. Or you might be sitting down with a vendor to say, we have no offers and nobody's coming through. And this is a really challenging conversation. And for some reason, your stupid amygdala goes, this is, this is like a survival moment and it takes over. Mm-hmm. So the amygdala's response is fight, flight or freeze. And you're going to have one or the other response. And What's yours? Fight. Yeah, I'm a fighter as well. <laughs> um, 
and that, that actually, that there's a lot of research into why you respond the way you do. And it has a lot to do with your lived experience. So let's say, for example, you were bullied a lot as a child at school and you weren't strong enough to punch back, you would probably have a flight or freeze response because it's kind of like a learned experience. Whereas, you know, if you're kind of ballsy like you and I, you're kind of like, nah, I'm going to fight you on it. So you kind of have a default response that you don't necessarily have control over. Your amygdala does this thing. I mean, if you've ever walked into a scenario where you go, you say something and the minute it leaves your mouth, you go, oh God. And I know you and I do. I do that all the time. <laughs> can I tell you? And sometimes, unfortunately, I'm on stage with a microphone in my hand. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, this might be something that you do after a champagne. This might be something. That you, but the minute it leaves your mouth, you go, no, why, why? No, backtrack, you can't. That's something called an amygdala hijack. Yep. And it's literally where that part of your brain goes, eh, I'm taking over, fight it. And so it might be that you're in a challenging conversation and you suddenly go, that's it, I've had enough. That's an amygdala hijack. It will yep. literally take you from zen to like raging warrior yep. in less than a second. Um, and the trouble with that is that that's the opposite part of your brain than the one that you want to be using in this space. Yeah, because so, there's no logical reason in that part of your brain, right? Correct. Yeah. It's not the home of logical reasoning. And so what you're actually doing is trying to solve a modern problem with like a prehistoric tool. That's literally yeah. what happens when your amygdala takes over. And so that's all well and good going, okay, I'm aware that in conflict and stress, a part of my brain takes over that has no logic <laughs> and has no um, real ability to solve the problem. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing is being aware that that's what's happening. The second thing is to figure out how to, I guess, avoid that wiring in your brain. So the first thing is to know it's happening. Yep. And I know that you and you um, watched me do um, a confidence in conflict workshop recently, mm -hmm. and you said that you were recognizing over the course of the next 24 hours times that you were experiencing an amygdala hijack. Yep, absolutely. And <laughs> the amygdala hijack will really you'll know it's happening depending on your response. So if you're a fight, you'll know it's happening because your heart will literally go faster. You will feel the anger rising up in your chest. You might, if you're a flight, which is the runaway one, you'll actually, you can sometimes start sweating, yep. feeling like you're about to run. And if you're a freeze, you will just become so nervous you can't talk. So there are clues that you can look for in your body that say, okay, I'm not operating from logical reasoning. I'm going to take a minute. And it's literally the case of just stepping back and breathing. Breathing. Yeah. Breathing. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to. I'm not going to blurt. I'm not going to have an amygdala hijack. Can you imagine being in an argument with your spouse and go, just give me a minute. I don't want to have an amygdala hijack. Yes, indeed. The next thing is, I suppose, to exercise a tool that Kwame Christian calls compassionate curiosity. Yep. So this is literally understanding that you and the person that you're in conflict or challenge with are both operating from a place in your brain that has no logic. So you simply say, help me understand what's happening here. That's compassionate curiosity. An example yep. of non-compassionate curiosity is what the hell's your problem? Yep. That's cu you're curious but you're not compassionate. Right. So it's literally about saying, help me understand what's going on here. If you lead with compassionate curiosity, a really interesting thing happens in your brain and in the person you're speaking to's brain that literally moves from the amygdala, 
the processing in your brain, to the prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolved part of your brain and the home of logical reasoning. So by engaging in compassionate curiosity, you are literally taking the argument, the challenge, the conflict out of the prehistoric brain and into the logical reasoning brain simply by engaging in a compassionate curiosity conversation. So this looks like words like help me understand. And I know that you and I could do a whole podcast on help me understand. Help me understand what's going on here. Help me understand how you feel. Help me understand. It's almost putting you um, both on the same side of the conflict instead of on opposing sides, right? That's correct. So um, it's a really good piece of advice my grandma gave me when I was really young. And she was giving it to me about something completely different to do with friendships. She said, it's never you versus them, Harriet. It's you and them versus the problem. Yeah. And I've found in, in all relationships in my life that if I'm in a position of conflict and non-resolution with someone, that if I instead say, okay, let's just take a minute here. I don't want to argue with you, but we do have a problem. What can we do about this problem? And that's something that Kwame Christian in this book talks about a lot as well, which is the first thing you need to do to move the conflict from your ape brain and into your logical reasoning brain is to acknowledge and validate what's happening, the emotions. So I'm feeling really frustrated. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Amazing. I can understand why we're both here. I understand why you're feeling that way. Do you understand why I'm feeling this way? Yes. Great. Then get curious and compassionate. So help me understand how we got here. Help me understand more about this situation. Help me understand what's going on with you and if you can engage in that compassionate, deep understanding of what's really the problem, what you can then do is engage in joint problem solving. So compassionate curiosity and confidence in conflict comes from those three core tools when you realize that you're in that amygdala hijack space is acknowledge and validate emotions, get curious with compassion and engage in joint problem solving. And if you can do that, you can begin to actually move the entire conflict away from the fight, flight or freeze response and also begin to, I guess, leverage the strength that you naturally have in your disc profile when it comes to conflict. So as a D personality type, as we said, if you're engaging in conflict with an S, if you're compassionately curious, they won't feel bullied and they will tell you what's wrong, which means you can resolve what's wrong and move forward rather than the conflict gets buried, basically. Sounds like very good advice. So it's intimidating, though, for a lot of people to actually tackle a conflict head on, particularly if you're dealing with a D or I personality. It's incredibly hard. And I think one of the important things to um, to recognise is that conflict really is an opportunity. And I know that's hard to say, but healthy conflict is, I should say healthy conflict. A yes. bar fight's probably not an opportunity. No, yeah, but, thanks for that clarification. <laughs> but, you know, healthy, healthy conflict and certainly conflict resolution is a huge opportunity. And I think there's two things it can do. It can repair and strengthen valuable relationships, one. Um, And secondly, it can identify and remove malignant relationships with minimal damage. And both of those outcomes are things that you want. But I think it's also important to understand that conflict is outside most people's comfort zone. And that's okay. And but, you know, we always harp on about this. You can't grow if you don't go outside your comfort zone. And living your life with the belief that you can avoid all conflict or that avoiding conflict is the resolution simply sets you up 
for a lifetime of buried buried issues and never really being able to resolve something and move forward. It doesn't strengthen or repair a relationship to avoid an argument or avoid talking about how you feel. And it certainly doesn't help you remove malignant relationships from your life to avoid having the conversation. It's like, you know, not firing someone that's not doing their job and just not doing it because you don't want to fire them and thinking that solves the problem. It simply doesn't. Or equally, you know, not being able to resign from a job you don't like. You know, so it doesn't, you know, like having a campaign and not talking to your vendor. Exactly. About I was just about to say that in, in a market that, that we're in right now, not being able to have a conversation with your vendor about lack of buyers or lack of buyers at the at the price the vendor's hmm. um, expecting, you've just got to be able to have those conversations. You do. And I think something, imp- a really great saying that's important to remember as well is that there is a really big difference between being liked and being respected. Mm-hmm. And if you do fall into the people pleaser category, which is a whole nother bucket um, of things to talk about, then you may find that you have a bit of a default to just want to be liked and not be the person that says the thing like your house is on the market for too much money. We're yeah. not getting any offers. We need like a hundred grand price drop. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Please like me. But if you can, if you can understand that conflict handled well makes people respect you and gets you fur- cl- much closer to the outcome that you're looking for in pretty much any scenario than avoiding it. I mean, leaving yeah. a property on the market overpriced for, that's not doing anybody. No, it doesn't help anybody. <laughs> yeah, so, um, somebody who used to work for me used to say, I can tell you what you want to hear or I can tell you what you need to hear. You choose. I'd always go with what I, tell me what, what I want. No, tell me, what, <laughs> tell me what I need here, right between yep. the eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's sort of, you know, it's get, giving you, um, it's almost setting people up to know that this conversation is going to be potentially a little bit awkward. Sometimes that's a good idea too. If you know that you have to have a challenging conversation, sometimes it's as simple as saying, okay, I, re- I need to talk to you about something and it's not awesome. Is this a good time for you? Because I really, I need to talk to you about something that, you know, this is a bit of a difficult situation or I need to talk to you about something a bit awkward or I need to talk to you about something that's been bothering me, you, us, whatever, or to your vendor. I really need to have a serious conversation with you on price. When would be convenient for us to do that? So first of all, being compassionate about when and how. Yeah, right. Don't just go like. Leap in. I mean, you don't, it's not going to help with the amygdala hijack if they feel genuinely like you've. Back you know, them into a corner to have the conversation now. Correct. So yep. sometimes framing it correctly, yep. setting them up for the conversation. And when you're in the conversation saying, you know, I just want to remind you that we both want the same thing here. We both want to get you a result. We both want to make sure that your property sells. So you're both on the same side. That's it. Yeah. It's you and me against the problem. not It's you and me versus the problem, not yep. you versus me. And then saying, help me understand what about you know, dropping the price is concerning you. Let's talk it out. Like, what is the concern that we're going to keep dropping it or that we're not going to meet the market? Um, you know, talk to me about the house you want to buy. Like, help me understand. And then together we will find the solution. But avoiding the conversation is not. Is not a solution. No. All right, my friend. Well, I think there was so much good advice in there. And I know you could keep talking on this forever, but I reckon there's a whole lot of stuff that we can save for another podcast. Okay. All right. Have a good afternoon. (laughs) You too. Bye. Bye.